Galatians chapter number 1, and so you can find your way there. We will have the verses and things on the screen, and uh, it's a blessing. I'm so thankful for everybody that's here, some that uh, are regular attenders, many that are regular attenders, some that are guests that are here for the first time, some that have been here off and on, and uh, we're thankful for all of you. We're grateful that you're here with us this morning. It's a blessing. It's exciting to see what God's doing here at Whitehall Baptist Church, and we're glad that you're plugging in, being a part of that with us, and we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do in the service this morning. Galatians chapter number one is where we're going to be this morning. As we get started, let's do this. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning, and to ask the Lord to open our hearts, and uh, by the way, this is... Now listen, you got an extra hour of sleep last night, okay? So you don't need it during the prayer time, okay? So uh, take the time to pray and say, Lord, speak to me this morning, all right? You ask the Lord to speak to you, and I'm going to pray as well. Uh, Let's let the Lord uh, do His work this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this time You've given us, and I pray, Lord, that as we open Your Word now, as we dive into the book of Galatians, Lord, and look at these first few verses, Lord, I pray that You would challenge us, and God, that our hearts would be tender and soft to receive Your Word. God, we need you this morning. We need you to speak. And I pray, God, that's exactly what you do. I pray, Lord, in this room, from the skeptic to the scoffer to the person that comes here with full trust, I pray that for each person, Lord, that you would speak. For each person, Lord, that that you would minister and and that you would change hearts, Lord. And this morning, if there's somebody here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray, God, that today would be clear that they would be able to get that settled. And I pray, Lord, for some that have been walking, Lord, in anxiety and and, and just struggling, Lord, to go through life with the world that we live in. I pray today there would be a comfort from your word. Lord, speak as only you can. I pray, Lord, that you would minister. Help me, God, to only say what you want me to say. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week we began our, our dive into the book of Galatians. And I, I enjoy walking through books of the Bible. And so if you stick with us over the next uh, months, maybe the next year or more, we're going to be going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. And my prayer is at the end of it, you're going to know the Word of God and know the book of Galatians better than you ever have. And uh, I'm excited for you to be a part of that with us as we go through. But last week we began our dive into the book of Galatians. We saw that it was written by the Apostle Paul to the churches at Galatians. In fact, it's the only book uh, in the epistles that he wrote that were written to a multitude of, of churches like this that we find. And he was written to these churches at Galatia. We talked about it last week. The churches at Antioch and Iconium, the churches at Lystra and Derbe. And he, he's writing to this, these groups of believer and, believers. And Paul began, we saw last week, with the defense of himself and his apostleship, but not so much about himself, a defense of where the message that he was preaching came from. We saw last week that it doesn't matter what, what I may say. It doesn't matter really what you may say. Sorry if I hurt your feelings. What only, the only thing that matters is what God has to say. And Paul made it clear right from the beginning. There's only one thing that matters, and that's what God has to say. And so he begins with a defense about that. And he's going to circle back to that here a couple of weeks whenever we come to verses 10 through 12. But as we continue through these opening verses, we find an encouraging reminder here at the very beginning that Paul writes to these churches. He, he, he begins in, in verse number 2 by reminding them that they aren't alone. What an encouragement that is. Look at verses 1 and 2. It says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who hath raised him from the dead. It says this, And all the brethren which are with me to the churches of Galatia. We don't know for sure 
who he was referencing whenever he mentioned all the brethren that were with him. We we don't know who he was referring to. Maybe it was just uh, referring to Barnabas. and maybe I mean, usually when I say all the brethren or all the people that are with me, it's more than just me and one other person, all right? Uh, but but we, we would assume that it was it was maybe a group of people. Maybe it was a whole multitude, a church of people. We, we don't know for sure. But what he was saying was an encouragement. He was reminding those believers at Galatia that were going through a difficult time about their faith. He was reminding them, listen, you aren't alone. We aren't alone in our beliefs. We aren't alone in our faith. There's others out there that believe like you do. That's one of the reasons that church is so important. It's one of the reasons that, that, that it's so, so vital to, to make it such a, a pivotal part of, of our life. I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking about for me. I need church because it's a place where we can be encouraged. It can be so easy to start to feel alone in what you believe. You ever been going through a week or something like that? Maybe at work or, or just, going, you know, just going through life and you turn on the news and all this stuff's going on and, and you start to feel like, man, am I the only one? Am I the only one that believes like I do? You miss a few services and you start to get disconnected from like-minded believers and, and, and all of a sudden it's, it, it just starts to feel like I'm all alone. We live in the most disconnected, connected time in all of history. You have a thousand or a hundred thousand friends on social media, but no one in real life. Isn't that the reality? This morning there was a, we found something outside that that belonged to, to to somebody, and so what did I do? I looked him up on Facebook, and and I got on there, and I saw that we had a mutual friend. Now, I don't know who that mutual friend is. I looked up their name. I have no idea who it is. Maybe it's somebody that Tressa knows, but apparently we're friends, you know? And that's the way that it works, right? We have all these friends, but do we really? Do we really? In the world that we live in, it can become so disconnected and and you can feel so alone real fast. About 10 years ago, Tress and I had the opportunity to go and, and, and spend some time in the Northeast. And uh, while we were up there, we got to do a number of different things. But one of the things that we got to do, and I don't know if it was her idea, my idea, or a combination of the two, but we were, we were up there and we were out, we were, I think we were in a portion of maybe Rhode Island or somewhere over in that area, and we had the opportunity to go and visit her, her aunt who lived in New York City. We're from Montana, Okay. <laughs> There's a difference, and uh, I remember we, we got there, and uh, we couldn't just drive a car, and we had to get on a, on a tram or a train or something, I don't remember what it was, and we, we rode into New York City, and she said, okay, you're, you're going to get there, and you're going to take the subway, that's what it was, the subway, she said, you're going to take the subway, and you're going to get off at, at stop this, and then you're going you're gonna to go up, and you're going to walk you know, six blocks across into this street, and all this, I remember as we're going through there, uh, and I don't know if you've ever been to New York City, but, but we're on this, this subway, and we're riding through there, and the person gets on there and they, they would announce the next stop. And it sounded like this. You know? And, uh, and we're like, oh no. Like, we're going we're gonna to get lost. We're ending up somewhere not supposed to be. This is not good. And uh, I remember we're, we're like looking at each other. What did they say? And some person turned around like, yeah, this is your stop. You know? And it's just, 
we, we could have gotten off anywhere. I mean, we had no idea. And I remember we got off and, and we walked up and, and uh, uh, we, we were trying to get on another subway or something. We tried to go through the little turn thing and we couldn't figure out how it worked. And somebody like walks up and they're like, you got to get a ticket. Get out of the way, you know. And, and we're okay. And we go stand at this, the ticket thing. And, and I mean, we had no idea what to do. We're like pressing buttons and people are getting frustrated behind us. It was terrifying. <laughs> and, and then you go upstairs and we went like right into like the, the main part, you know, right there in New York, New York City, you know, the real deal, you know, all the big signs and everything. And as I'm looking around at the people around me, I'm realizing we don't belong here. I mean, you know, the people around us are different than while we are. We, I couldn't wait to get back to my people, right? People that, that, that are like-minded, people that maybe have the same, at least relative beliefs and, and morals uh, that I did. It can be so easy in our world to feel alone, to feel like there's nobody that's like you. And, and listen, it can be so easy for us to belittle the importance of going to church, to be able to congregate together and to be encouraged together. But that's why Hebrews 10.25 still says, Not forsaking the assembling of themselves, ourselves together as the manner of some, some is. But he says this, exhorting one another. And listen, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching, what is the day approaching? The return of Christ. He says, listen, you think it's important now? He says, the closer we get to Christ, it's even that much more important that you have that time where you come together and you're encouraged and you're strengthened to continue in the faith. It's so important. It's a sweet time joining with like-minded believers, being encouraged that you aren't the only one still seeking the Lord. What encouragement it was just a couple of weeks ago to have a missionary with us that was from Egypt. The other side of the world. And yet to hear him stand up and preach a message and preach about things that are the same things that we're doing here. To talk about what's going on on the other side of the world and how they're winning people to Christ and doing things for the Lord the same way that we are here. It's an encouragement to come together with like-minded believers. Friend, can I encourage you? Don't get disconnected. Don't let the devil get you away from church. Away from the teaching and the preaching of God's Word gets you discouraged in your Christian life. You see, He cannot steal your salvation. We'll talk about that more in a little bit. He cannot steal your salvation as a Christian. But He can get you separated, anxious, and discouraged. And then He doesn't have to worry about you doing anything for God. So Christian, get plugged in and stay plugged in. It's so important to be able to say, all the brethren which are with me. Now that was the introduction, all right? The rest of the message will be real short, okay? But then, listen, it's so important. It's so important. We can't miss that. But then Paul comes to verses 3 and 5, and once again, he gives a direct defense of the gospel, and this is where we're going to spend the, the rest of our time here. Look, if you would, at verse number 3. He begins with a pointed greeting. It's a pointed greeting. Look at verse number 3. He says this, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Right from the beginning, in his introduction, in, in this beginning, this pointed greeting, he, he begins right from the start. Grace. Grace. 
I remember whenever I was a teenager, I, I still to this day, I, I hate meeting new people. How many of you in this room are like, I hate meeting new people? Yeah, okay, great. There's a few of us in this room. Okay, we'll get together afterwards and just stare at each other. Okay, but uh, I mean, I just, I hate it. I, and and uh, it's, it's, it's so hard. And as it, it was started whenever I was a teenager. And, and I can remember, we've moved to a, a new church. And I was probably 11, 12 years old, something like that, maybe 13. And, and uh, we, we're going to this church. And uh, there's, I mean, they had a huge youth group, and they were always doing activities and things like that. And my parents wanted me to get involved. And uh, if you, if you, you know how this is, okay. And and I, I, I didn't want to, okay. I didn't want to meet new people. I had my friends at school. I went to public school. I had my friends there, and it was just like I don't want to. These church kids are weird, and I don't want to be. I don't want to be in that group. And and uh, I remember they were having an activity on a Sunday night after church. They called a snack activity, Sunday night after church, and uh, and uh, they were going to go get pizza. I didn't want to go. I didn't have any friends that were in the youth group or anything. And I'll never forget this. Judah, you just wait, okay? Listen. I'll never forget it. My mom went to one of the other boys in the youth group's mom and asked her if her son would be my friend. I'm like 13 years old. Judah, would that be cool? Would that be cool? You know, no, it wouldn't be cool. Okay, listen. It wasn't cool for me either. I was so angry. I was so mad. But I went anyway. Okay, I was just like, you know what, Mom? I'm going to go, but I'm not. whatever happens, I'm not going to be friends with that kid. All right, I'm just not. I mean, it's just, that's it. And I'll never forget that night, I, I became friends. I, I got to be friends, with, not with that kid, but with a different kid. And we became, became friends and, uh, for a long time. That, that, that greedy, I mean, my mom was very pointed in the greeting, all right? And I didn't like it. It didn't feel good, right? Here, right off the bat, Paul jumps into it, right? I mean, the first word, he deals with really what's going to be the problem of the entire book of Galatians. Grace. Nothing else. Nothing less. Grace. God's unmerited favor. Grace by definition cannot be earned, achieved, or deserved. Otherwise, it is not grace. Romans eleven six makes that very clear. He says, and if by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Listen, what is he saying there? He says, listen, it can't be both. It's either by works or it's by grace. It's not a mix of the two. Because grace in and of itself cannot be earned, deserved. It cannot be something that you can do and get for yourself. That was the problem that was infiltrating these young churches and these new believers was that works had been added to grace for salvation. Romans chapter number 4, the Bible tells us in verse number 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. God owes us, but to him that worketh not, but listen, but believeth on him. That's all that he does. He believeth on him that ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. It's grace and grace alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 makes it so clear. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. See, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. From the time of Christ until today, religion has been doing its best to add works to grace. Okay, your your good must outweigh your bad. You have to do these religious actions. 
pray these prayers. You have to do these sacraments and these traditions. You have to be part of a specific denomination of church. You, you, you have to look a certain way, or let's get to the root of really most religion. You have to give enough money, right? That's really the key. Then you will get to heaven. Friend, grace plus anything is no longer grace. It is debt. It is debt. If I were to come to you today... And I, and I were to tell you, listen, I want to give you something, but you have to do something for it. Is that grace? No, absolutely not. Is that a gift? No, absolutely not. What is that? That's a transaction. That's a transaction. If you do something for something that I give you, it's not grace. Anything plus grace is not grace. It is a debt. It's a transaction. And whatever I do, whatever you do, now you say, I'm indebted to you. Right? We talked about it this morning in, 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 our, in our small groups about how, listen, if, if you go and, and, and let's say whenever, whenever I was a, a young person, I, I used to mow grass for, or, for, not for a living, I mean, but, but that was something that I did when I was a teenager. I would mow grass and, and we'd go to houses and, and uh, what, what would we do? I, I'd go, we'd go and knock on the door and, hey, we'll mow your grass for 30 bucks or whatever it would be. And then what we'd, we'd go and we'd mow the grass and after we mow the grass, we'd go to them and say, hey, you, you owe us. What, what were they? They were indebted to me. Why? Because we'd agreed on a payment. Do you realize that if your salvation is based upon your works, then God is indebted to you. And God isn't indebted to you, or to me, or to anyone. That's not how it works. His grace is free to receive. The gift of God of eternal life is, it costs everything to purchase Jesus Christ dying on the cross, but it costs nothing for you and I to receive. With the world of religion swirling in Paul's day, he wanted to make clear right off the bat what made his message from God different than any others. What made his message different from all other religion that was out there? And it was one word. Grace. Grace. And I love where he goes immediately after in his greeting. He says this, Grace be to you, and listen, and peace, peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I shared this recently in one of our classes, but I saw a, a post by an NBA basketball player named Ja Morant. And it's interesting, he He's an NBA basketball player, plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. He signed a contract with them. How many of you like to sign this type of contract with your work, all right? Five years for $197,230,450. I think I could do something for that much, you know, for five years. I mean, I'd do about anything for five years for that kind of money, you know. He plays basketball for $197 million. But last year on two separate occasions, he made some bad decisions side of basketball that caused him to be suspended for a number of games on October the 14th. I saw this post on one of my social media accounts from John Morant. He said this, it's a different story for me. It seems I've got everything that I, or dat, he said dat, he can't spell, but that I ever dreamed, but I can't find no peace. $197 million in five years but I can't get peace. 
You know, John Morant is looking for something, the same thing, that so many that turn to religion are seeking for. Something that will give them peace. But the only place that money, fame, or religion will will bring you to is confusion and insecurity because none of those things bring the lasting peace that they're looking for. There's only one place that true peace can be found, and Paul had it nailed down in that verse. Peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. The only place that real peace comes from. In Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4, he says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. You see, there's a day that's coming following the rapture of the church, that a man known as the Antichrist will come on the scene with a promise, the thing that is going to elevate him to a level that is beyond everybody else. You want to know what it is? The thing that's going to put him at the pinnacle, that's going to make him the world leader of everybody. You know what it is? World peace. Peace. The same thing that everybody's looking for today. But once again... Any peace outside of Christ is no more than a facade. And in that day, that fake peace will be followed with absolute destruction and persecution like we've never seen before. Friend, if you're here today looking for peace, I've got good news and bad news. The bad news is you won't find peace coming to this church. You won't find peace putting money in the offering plate. You won't find peace being a good person and you won't find peace being religious. Now you might appease your conscience for a little bit, but you won't find peace. But here's the good news. You can find peace in Christ. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you can have peace for your soul, knowing that you have an eternity in heaven with Christ waiting for you to pillow your head at night, knowing that when you open your eyes, if something was to happen to you during the night, when you open your eyes, you'd be in the presence of your Savior. It doesn't get any better than that. First John 5, verse number 13 tells us something that we can know. Not believe, not hope, that you can know. These things, he says, that I have written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone, if you've accepted that grace that He has given, listen, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. It is not a hope-so salvation. It is not a think-so. It is not a pretty good chance. Listen, it's a no-so. I know for sure that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. And friend, if you don't know that today, you can get it It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that goes beyond anything that you could obtain on this earth. It's a peace that you can have today. And it's a present promise that you can enjoy right now. The very next verse makes it very clear. In Galatians 1 verse number 4, he says, "Who uh, Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this, listen, present evil world. According to the will of God and our Father, God wants you to be saved. It's by His will. He wants you to accept Christ as your Savior. He wants you to have that peace. And He wants you to have it in this present evil world where you're living today. He wants you to be able to enjoy it. You see, we know in this world that we're going to have trouble. Trouble is going to follow us. The Bible tells us so. Just as sure as it tells us we can have peace, that we can know for sure that we have eternal life, you can know for sure that you're going to have troubles and trials. John 16. 33 says, These things have I spoken to you, Jesus, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. 
but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Oh, for year of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It is impossible, impossible to have true peace in this world if you do not know the Prince of Peace. And friend, if you don't know him today, you can get that settled. You can get it nailed down. You can know for sure that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. You say, Kyle, what does that look like? What do I have to do? Sign me up. I want it. We were talking this morning in Sunday school. This is so important. Tara had asked the question. She said, I had somebody ask, tell me one time that God sending people to hell was mean. God was mean because he sends people to hell. How do you answer that? We gave this illustration. I, I like this because I think this is, this is just fun. So if you, were in the, if you were in the class already today, you can snooze for about three seconds. Okay, here we go. All right. So let's just imagine, you know, we've got an airport here in Whitehall. You may have not known that. It's a pretty big airport up on the hill. Um, and so uh, I'm being facetious here, okay. But uh, there, we got an airport. And let's just say, okay, Rick up here in the front, he does lots of things. Not only does he kill mountain lions and elk and moose and uh, other things like that, but he also has an airplane, okay, that we're pretending now, all right. But uh, let's just, uh, some of that was true, though. Uh, but, but, but let's just... Uh, Rick has an airplane up on the, the hill, and, and Rick gets the intel that, listen, the atom bomb's getting ready to drop on Whitehall. Right smack dab on Whitehall. It's getting ready to hit. And I said, Rick, I don't want to die today. And Rick said, I've got great news. I have an airplane. We can get out of here. I said, Rick, I see your airplane. I know you're a good pilot. But I think I'll figure it out on my own. You'd say, Kyle, that would be a dumb decision, okay, right? You know what I mean? Like, that, you can make better choices with your life, right? Uh, you know, what, what happened? Now, listen, is Rick mean because he said, hey, I've got a plane that you can get on to get away from the destruction, or is it just my dumb decisions, my stubborn heart, my unwillfulness to submit myself to another way? Jesus said unto the man, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We heard it earlier in Romans 5.8. God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The wage of sin is death, eternity, and a lake of fire. And God says, I've got your ticket out. It's called Jesus Christ at his death on the cross. He paid for your sins. All you got to do is receive it. Yeah, but, but, but I, I, got, I, I think maybe if I do some things, yeah, okay, Jesus, but, but Jesus plus all these other things, then maybe, then it could work out if I, if I do. No, 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 listen. Then it's not by grace. Do we need to go back and preach the first part of the message again? All right, no. Somebody, no, please don't, all right? By grace. The Bible tells us that if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, God hath raised from the dead. He says, listen, thou shalt be saved. Friend, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I can tell you this, you will not have peace. It's impossible. Not true peace. Until you get that settled. It was a pointed greeting. But then we see this, it was a present gospel. And this is where I think we miss it sometimes. Look again there at verse number four. 
who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and the Father. When Paul was writing these words, he was writing to believers. He was reminding them of something, but but he was writing to believers about something. The promise of the gospel extended beyond just the moment of salvation. It was the present reality that they were to be living in. But they had fallen into the bondage of living life outside of the gospel of Christ. Now here's the sad part. For so many Christians, they get the peace of God for their eternity. But they don't have the peace of God in their daily lives. We'll dive deeper into it in the months ahead, but I can't help but mention another verse that really is, is kind of the theme for the whole letter of the book. Galatians chapter number 4, verse number 9. He says this, But now after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, you've accepted Him, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? This is the root of this epistle. They were turning back after their salvation and they were living like they had never accepted Christ. Friend, do you realize that the title Christian carries with it something? That it means something? The first time that we find the word mentioned is in Acts chapter number 11, verses 25 and 26. It says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with that church. They taught much people. And listen, the disciples there, they were called Christians first at Antioch. That word Christian, you know what it means? It literally meant little Christs. Little Christs. There's something different about them. The people didn't act like themselves before they knew Christ. They didn't act like the rest of the world. They, they were different. They were like little Christs. They had compassion one toward another. They were forgiving one of another. They were sacrificial one toward another. They served one another. They cared one for another. They encouraged one another. You say, Kyle, how do you know? Because that's what Christ did. And these were little Christs. Friend, just because you carry the name Christian, and that word Christian means a lot of things in our world today. Just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean that you're living up to it. Romans 12, verse number 10 says, Be kindly affectionate one toward another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. In Matthew chapter number 22, it's such a simple, most important, I mean, here it is, it's the key. Jesus said unto him in verse number 37, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's no wonder that the world doesn't want what the church has because most churches don't act like little Christs. Most churches don't act like Christians. Philippians 1.27, I love the verse, only let your conversation, your lifestyle be, as it makes the gospel look good, becometh the gospel of Christ. Though whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast. Now would this describe the spirit of Whitehall Baptist Church? With one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You know, the truth is, is in most churches, there's a lot more striving against one another than striving together. 
So many believers don't have the peace of God because they aren't living like Christians. They aren't dwelling in the presence of Christ. 1 John 2.15 tells us, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man loves the world, the love of the Father, or love for the Father, it's not in him. Psalm 16.11, he says, Thou wilt show him the path of life. In thy presence, God's presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Sometimes, so many Christians are looking for pleasures all over the place. Thinking that if I just get this or I just get that, then finally I'm going to be fulfilled. Finally, then I'll have peace. You know what they find out? Those things don't bring the peace they thought it would. The bigger house comes with a bigger payment. The new car... Well, comes with as much of a payment as the house does, all right? All the new things, they come with strings attached. And most of the time, they under-deliver and over-promise. And I can tell you this, they never give lasting peace. You're seeking for the fullness of joy in all the pleasures of this world and can't understand why you're feeling so much turmoil in your spirit. Matthew Henry said, What peace can they have who are not at peace with God? Before you're going to have peace anywhere else, you've got to get this relationship right. Yes, before you accept Him, you need to accept Him as your Savior, but friend, after you accept Him, you need to live like a little Christ. You say, Kyle, does that mean i got to act like you? No, no, please don't do that. You can ask Tressa, don't do that, okay? No, listen. I'm not the standard, and nobody in this church is the standard. Christ is the standard. Christ is the standard. He's the one that we want to seek after and become like. Friend, do you have peace today? Do you have peace in knowing that you're going to spend eternity in heaven? You have peace in knowing that you are right with Christ. We already said it once today, but if the flesh in this world can get you feeling anxious, living in fear, your effectiveness for Christ will wane. And in a world that's full of confusion and chaos with religion and man's ways, you can experience the peace of God in your life today. Now let's wrap it up. We've seen this morning of some very... Clear things. Very pointed greeting. Very present gospel. It was for their daily life. But as we finish up, we find a praised God. This, Galatians 1.5, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Ultimately, this was the key of the true gospel. It's all glory to God and God alone. Now think about this. Have you ever realized the reality that if you added anything to the gospel for salvation, or if you live in the power of anything other than the gospel's work in your life after salvation, listen, you are stealing away from the glory of God. Did you catch that? God is supposed to be glorified. But if I, before salvation, think there's something that I can do to gain salvation, then yes, it is by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and something that I did. And it's a divided glory. Glory to God, but oh, glory to me as well. It doesn't work like that. 
Do you realize after salvation, after you know Christ as your Savior? We ought to live like, (laughs) I'm not the one that got myself here. I live in the power of God and that's it. Friend, who are you glorying in? Because it's supposed to be glory to God. Romans 17 says this, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me. I I want to, but how to perform that which is good? (laughs) I find not. You see, we're all just turtles on a fence post. You ever heard that illustration, the story? You know, you ever seen a turtle on a fence post? I personally, I've never seen a turtle on a fence post. But I've heard about turtles on a fence post. How did it get there? It didn't climb up there itself, right? No, somebody picked that turtle up and put it on the fence post. Didn't get there on its own. How foolish would it be for the turtle that's on the fence post to look down at all the turtles still crawling around in the dust of the earth and say, ha, look at me, look at you. (laughs) Silly. Doesn't make any sense. We're just a bunch of turtles on fence posts. There was nothing that we could have done to get ourselves there. And listen, if it were up to us and we were the turtle on the fence post, we'd knock ourselves off. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's the truth. If we could lose our salvation, we would. But it isn't up to us. No, the gospel is so powerful that not only does God save you, but he keeps you saved. And that's powerful. First Peter chapter number 1 says, Blessed be God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten to us a lively hope, a confidence, by the resurrection of Christ from the, dead, from the dead, to an inheritance. Listen, it's incorruptible, it's undefiled, that fadeth not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. Listen, that's pretty clear. You can't lose it. But in case you, in case you still didn't get it, listen to what he says next. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, you not only couldn't save yourself, you couldn't keep yourself saved. So what did he do? He saved you all by himself with grace and with Christ alone. And he keeps you saved by the power of God. That's the only way there is no other way. And friend, the point of your life after you get saved is to bring honor and glory to the only one who deserves it. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. For Thy pleasure they are and were created. Isaiah 42 verse number 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another. Neither my praise to any graven image. Christian, if you're living through this life thinking that it's about you and what you can accomplish and what I can do to gain some type of notoriety or some type of accomplishment, whose glory are we living for? Paul understood it. It's all about the glory to God. Whose glory are you living for? Friend, this morning's message is very simple. Have you ever experienced the unfathomable grace of God in your life? If you've never been saved, you can accept Him today. Right where you're at.
Are you living your life with the peace of God? Or are you full of anxiousness and fear, frustration, and all the things that comes from this world? Because we have our eyes fastened on the wrong places. But if you turn your eyes to the Prince of Peace, He can give peace that endures. Not just for a moment, but for a life. Finally this morning, who's receiving the glory for your life? Who are you living for? Who am I living for? Do you let the Holy Spirit come and just point out those areas of your life where you're living for yourself? for your glory, for the praise that you can receive. It can be so easy to be consumed by all kinds of things that steal away from the glory of God being shown out and through our lives. Let's purpose this morning to do all things for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, you know what it says? This should be the theme for us. Whether therefore ye eat, or drink, or by the way, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And I hope that'll be the prayer of every person in this room today. God, from my life, may you be glorified. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time you've given us. Thank you for your word, the truths that are found in it, the power that is in your word. And I pray this morning that something that was said would stick. Something that was said, Lord, that we looked at from your word. Lord, that it would carve a spot in our heart. Each and every heart in this room. And it wouldn't soon be forgotten. That God would be, that we'd leave this place changed because of what you've done this morning. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, the music's going to play in just a moment. Friend, this morning, I'd encourage you to respond to the Lord, whether in your seat or at an altar. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes closed as the music plays. You respond to the Lord this morning.